Hi everyone, welcome to Sacred Musings with me, Phil Saker. So over the last few months, as I've been doing these videos, I've been thinking a lot about lockdowns, about the harms of lockdown and about why no one seems to be caring about the harms of lockdown, why we're focusing on just one thing to the exclusion of everything else, um, all of those kind of things, you know, why lockdowns are immoral all of that. But what if there is something that is actually worse than lockdown, which has been happening under our noses for a very long time? What if there is something which is causing a lot of damage to, uh, especially to young people? You know, what if we were creating a real problem for ourselves, storing up trouble um, for a later date? Well, that's exactly what I think is happening, but it's not lockdown that's caused it. I'm actually talking about the, the result of the sexual revolution. Um, now, the sexual revolution was something that happened back in the 1960s, or it began back in the 1960s, where people wanted to throw off the old morality, the old Christian idea of marriage, a lifelong union of a man and a woman, and say, no, we want to sleep uh, with whoever we want to, whenever we want. And that has become, you know, the dominant idea in, in our society. I don't know anyone who isn't Christian who actually abides by the old Christian ethics when it comes to sex and marriage anymore. Almost everybody simply, you know, sleeps with uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, whatever, um, prior to getting married and usually having several partners and getting married a bit later on in life. Now, what's the problem with that? You might be thinking, well, yeah, surely that's that's all fine, isn't it? But worse than lockdown, I mean, come on, that's a bit rich, isn't it? Oh, what I want to argue here is that the sexual revolution has been an absolute disaster. And I think we are beginning to see that now. So I've got a few, a couple of bits of evidence to give to you, but there are lots more that we could look at. So the first one is the evidence from the Marriage Foundation. So the, the Marriage Foundation looks at, at marriage and particularly what's happening now that marriage is, uh, is declining and what the results of that are and how we can promote marriage and all of that sort of thing. It's a good, good organisation. Let me read you some statistics um, that they, they have produced. If current trends remain as they are, any child born today in the UK has more than a one in three chance of not living with both birth parents by the age of 15. So I think the current chance, the current percentage of 13 to 15 year olds not living with both natural parents is 36%. So just over a third. Um, now think back when I, when I was a child, when I was at school, we knew who the problem children were. They were the children, by and large, who had a disturbed home life. And you think, what happens if you scale that up to a third of children um, having having a sort of disturbed home life? It's a huge problem. Um, it goes on. Cohabiting parents make up 19% of all couples with dependent children, but account for half of all family breakdown. So couples choosing to cohabit rather than getting married actually makes up half of, of family breakdown, um, even though they're only about 20% of uh, couples with dependent children. So it's much more likely to break up. Um, nearly all parents, that's 90%, who stay together until their children reach 15 are married. Family breakdown costs the economy about £50 billion per year. Well, when couples split up, families move from one to two households. Poverty is a common outcome that affects children. Six out of ten lone parents are supported by the state compared to one out of ten couple parents. 
that's where most of the 50 billion pounds is spent and this is a big one marriage protects children from mental health problems as teenagers family breakdown is the single biggest predictor of internalized and externalized problems for boys and girls so let's think about the problems that we've the we've been facing as a society even before lockdown. You know, you think about housing, for example, the housing crisis. Think about the mental health crisis. These were things well before lockdown. Now, a lot of that's to do with family breakdown. And this is a big issue. I mean, I hope that those statistics uh, help to see just how big of an issue uh, this is. But you might think, well, maybe that would have happened anyway without the sexual revolution. And I think, you know, it is uh, it is true that, of course, people have been getting divorced for um, for many years. That doesn't necessarily mean it's it's a consequence of the sexual revolution. But I think what really worries me is what's driving it, what's going on under the surface. And if you look under the surface, it's actually pornography. And that's the game changer which has happened. So let's let's move on to look at that briefly. So Internet pornography has been a real game changer for um, for the modern world i remember even you know when i was in school back through the the 90s really then um i remember coming across um some uh, like a dirty magazine when i was out with my friend um one time in the woods and um you know it was it, it was that was the kind of place you know behind railway sidings behind the bike sheds or whatever you know that was where that kind of material was but it was it wasn't that common and a friend of mine, he once talked about watching a dirty video on you know, VHS back when VHS was a thing. Um, and this was before, um, you know, broadband was universal and everyone had a smartphone. I'm very glad I didn't grow up in a time, actually, when we had broadband um, as a teenager, where we had smartphones, because it, for what it might have done to my mind as a teenager, having access to anything you want uh, on your phone pretty much, you know, for free. It would have been huge. Let me just read you a bit, uh, an extract or a few extracts from an article called Why Today's Internet Porn is Unlike Anything the World Has Ever Seen. This is from a website called Fight the New Drug, which is really good looking at the the, um, harmful effects of pornography and sort of advocating to sort of education about it. Today, porn sites receive more website traffic in the US than Twitter, Instagram, Netflix, Pinterest and LinkedIn combined. Pornhub, one of the leading porn sites in the world, claimed that in 2019 they had 42 billion visitors, with 39 billion searches performed. That's 115 million a day, almost 5 million an hour and almost 80,000 a minute. And that's just one site. To put that in perspective, in the time it takes you to read this article, that one porn site will have recorded more than 200,000 visits, according to their own estimates. As for 2019 uploads to the site, Pornhub estimates 12,500 gigabytes per minute, enough to fill the memories of every smartphone in the world. If you haven't looked into the statistics about pornography, they are frightening. You know, that's just one website, Pornhub, you know, 42 billion visits. So how many people are on the planet? What about 7 billion, something like that? Um, you know, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's like six visits for every person on Earth. So let's move on. And they, they move on to talk about the problem now with not just the amount, 
but with the type of pornography. Whereas compared to you know the old dirty magazines of the past, where hardcore pornography was actually someone performing a sexual act that was hardcore whereas now um, that softcore pornography and hardcore has, has moved on this is what they say as the internet has grown it has also allowed for more graphic and more extreme pornographic content with so much porn available pornographers compete for co- consumers attention by constantly pushing boundaries and exploiting taboos According to studies analysing the content of popular porn videos, it's estimated that as little as 33.9% and as much as 88.2% of scenes show acts of physical aggression or violence, while 48.7%, about half, contain verbal aggression. These studies also found that women were the targets of aggression or violence about 97% of the time. And yet another study found that one out of every eight porn titles shown to first-time visitors to porn sites described acts of sexual violence. So pornography has moved from just simply being about about you know sex in um, you know just displaying that kind of sexual act to actually being about violence as well. And you know the, the pornographers have to try and make it more extreme to attract people. And the problem is that this is affecting the way that people, but especially men, uh, view relationships. So the last quote from this, this article. Today, porn's effects have permeated nearly every aspect of our lives. Technology has changed not only the content of porn, but also how, when and at what age people begin consuming it. Studies show that most young people are exposed to porn by age 13, and according to a nationally representative survey of US teens, 84.4% of 14 to 18 year old males and 57% of 14 to 18 year old females have viewed pornography. That's a lot of underage exposure to an industry that claims to be adult entertainment. So a huge amount of exposure to pornography going on for young, uh, young men and women. Now, can you imagine what effect this is having on society? That adults, but especially children, are learning about sex by watching pornography. And part of the problem is they think that this is normal. You know, they think that this violence in the bedroom is just normal. That's just the way that that people do it. They don't actually know how to have healthy sex, how to have healthy relationships. And this is what, uh, there's a new book actually, which is only released this summer, called uh, Rough, How Violence Has Found Its Way Into the Bedroom and What We Can Do About It, by someone called Rachel Thompson. And uh, it was reported in the the Daily Mail. It said, um, uh, this summer's most shocking book explores the way too many men now view sex, including those who asked for a refund for a night out if they don't get their way. And they they quote someone who had a text from um, a chap that she she dated the night before she didn't have sex with him. So he basically texted her the, the, the night after and said, can you give me half of the, the money back, basically, because it wasn't really worth my time. And that's what... Um, that's what it is now you know it's about it's about sex if you don't get it then well it's a waste of time and for some well some men and i think a growing number of men that is the case now and this is how they summarize the points uh, a third of uk women have endured non-consexual spitting and slapping during sex um the, she was inundated with stories of people being choked without consent and um there are claims it is 
uh, also not uncommon for young women to feel they owe someone sex. And um, you read the article that um, a lot of young women feel like they owe it to have sex. If they go on a date, then they sort of owe it to have have sex. Um, so this is what happens with the, the pornification of society, if you like, that is having a massive effect on our relationships. And unless things change, it's going to get worse and worse. And I think we could end up in the society where, you know, young people are, are completely, many of them are completely unable to form healthy relationships, healthy romantic relationships because of the influence of pornography. That's the direction that we are going in. You could say a lot more about this, but I'll, I'll move on for the moment. Um, I think really what this shows is the wisdom of Christianity, the wisdom of the way that we used to live, which is you know the traditional understanding of, of Christianity being marriage is a lifelong relationship between a man and a woman and that sex outside of that, that context is wrong. And that used to be our uh, understanding of a society. And of course, people used to used to go go outside that um, from time to time. That used to happen, but it was frowned upon. It was socially unacceptable, and that sort of kept it in check. And you can begin to see, can't you? And I hope this is obvious, really, from what I've been saying, that the rules that God gave us protect us. That's the purpose of them. That if you think about things like, and we didn't didn't really mention this, but the phenomenon now of revenge porn, you know, that after a breakup, someone um, says, well, I'm going to um, uh, release as, as pornography the videos that I took of us being intimate. Um, and um, Alex Phillips, actually, from GB News, was talking about this the other day. And um, but, you know, if if we didn't sleep with people we weren't married to, then that wouldn't happen. Um, or at least it would be a lot more, lot more rare that, you know, if men had to marry in order to, to have sex, then they wouldn't treat it so cheaply. There's actually a book called Cheap Sex by Mark Regnerus, and it was a really good, if terrifying book looking at how sex is now a very cheap thing and particularly I think the, the effect of that is upon women because they feel like they, they're worthless, they feel like they have to give everything up straight away otherwise a man won't look at them and you know and, and so on and I think the results are tragic and we've been seeing something of that with, um, with the book I, I mentioned a minute ago there's a quote from Ray Ortland, uh, pastor. I think this is this is his quote. It's one of these quotes which is a bit difficult to track down, but it, I, I like it. Which is this: "Sex is like fire. Inside the fireplace, it keeps us warm. Outside the fireplace, it burns the house down." And I think that's such a good quote because you know sex is such a powerful fundamental uh, force. And that, you know, when it's kept within the confines of marriage, when, you know, it's socially unacceptable to have sex outside of that, then that that is a, a degree of protection against many of the things that we've been talking about. But when sex is let out, when sex is let loose, then it burns the house down. So as we come towards the, the close of this video, let's just think about what lockdown has to do with the sexual revolution because I think the two things are actually have some things in common.
One of the things being that you think about what the politicians are doing about lockdown. They're ignoring the evidence. They're only looking at the risks of one particular thing. They're only looking at one angle. They're not looking at you know, the wider issues involved and so on. I think that's a bit like what's happening in a wider sense with the sexual revolution. You know, that most people don't want to question it. Most people are not looking at its effects. Uh, they just simply assume that it's right. They simply assume that, you know, they, they just want to do what they want to do. And, you know, we're not going to question the rights or wrongs of it. But if you look at the evidence, you can see the problems coming up ahead. You can see the problems that we're generating with young people, with their ability to form relationships, with mental health, with family breakdown and, and so on. And people are rightly concerned about losing our freedoms in lockdown. But I think the real irony of this is actually that we we lose our freedom. The sexual revolution has taken our freedom away when it comes to um, to pornography. You know, a lot of people feel like pornography is an addiction, and and it is. That's that's kind of how it works. That's why they call the website "Fight the New Drug." That pornography it entices and enslaves us. And that's really what the sexual revolution has done. It's made us slaves of our kind of basic desires, lust and, you know, sexual desires. That's what that's what the sexual revolution has really done. Back in the 60s, people thought that it was setting us free from all of those terrible rules which Christianity had imposed. But actually, it, the opposite thing has happened. And, you know, although we, in a sense, we have known what it means to have our freedom taken away in lockdown... Actually, the sexual revolution takes away our freedom in a deeper and more insidious way. That's the problem with it. Now, true freedom is the freedom to live in God's ways as he intended. That's what true freedom is. So let's just finish by thinking about why lockdown happened, because I think there is actually an important message here. In the most recent video I did on Revelation, um, you may know I've been working through uh, the book of Revelation that we just got to Revelation chapters 8 and 9 um, earlier this week. And we were thinking about why it is that bad things happen, why it is that terrible things happen. And we, we thought about how this happens as a wake up call. And I think that lockdown was a wake up call. To our society. It was a message from God telling us as a society to wake up. And there's actually a lot of precedent for this in the Bible. Um, you know, a call to kind of um, a bad thing sort of happens in order to, uh, to straighten ourselves out, a call to straighten ourselves out, a message from God. Now, if we look only at the problems of lockdown, and yeah, there are a lot of things to look at, thinking about the currents in society which have led to that, thinking about all of the things going on. Sure, lots to look at there, and it's really important to be looking at. But if we look only at that, and don't look at the wider problems in society, then we will be missing the point. We will be missing the message. And that's really what I wanted to say in this video, to come down on, that um, we as a society need to turn to God in all sorts of ways but I think there is a particular thing about sexual morality and that is very important in the Bible and I think it's it's one of the primary ways that we as a society have turned our back on God and if we want to be healed of the problems relating to lockdown then we need to look more deeply 
at the, the other problems that we have regarding sexual uh, morality. There's a verse in um, the Bible. This is from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And these have been quite widely quoted over the last um, sort of 18 months or so. Um, but I think they're really relevant. Um, let me just read it out. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So think about this. God says, when I send a, a bad event such as a plague, a plague, that's a sign of God's judgment. And you think about it, you know, look back at the last 18 months. A plague is a sign of God's judgment. But he says, if my people turn, and it says, turn from their wicked ways. So it's not enough simply to deal with the problems about lockdown. We've got to turn from our wickedness as well as a society. That's what we've got to do. And I think the whole, the way that, that the sexual revolution has completely changed the face of our, our society in many ways, um, I think that is the thing that we, you know, one of the biggest things that we need to repent of. And we need to kind of go back to doing, um, to doing things in the way that God wants us to. And I think that's a really important message uh, to, be, to be thinking about. So I hope that you've appreciated this and I hope that you didn't mind the, the clickbait title too much. Um, let me know what you think in the comments below. Don't forget to click the like button as well just to let YouTube know that um, it, uh, yeah, it, it helps with the algorithm just so that it sort of gets recommended to people. Uh, I have got a telegram. If you go to t.me forward slash philsaker, the link will be down below. Then you can join me on telegram. And um, if you appreciate what I do here, there is a buy me a coffee link as well. But I really appreciate any support um, in, in any way, liking, commenting um, and sharing. So thanks so much, everyone. God bless. And I hope to see you again for another video very soon.